the bison, the the heavy bison, the bison, the the heavy bison, the bison, the the heavy bison, the bison, the the heavy bison. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to today's Nichols College Alumni Experience Podcast. Today's show features the newly retired Neil Holt, who graduated from Nichols in 1976 and was a standout lacrosse player here. Neil went on to work at NBC, ESPN, and eventually Viacom, where he ascended to become Executive Vice President of Viacom Sales and Marketing Solutions. Neil was responsible for digital and linear sales for all of Viacom's networks and platforms, including MTV, VH1, Comedy Central, the Paramount Network, CMT, TV Land, Nick at Night, and many others. As someone who used to commute on the train from Connecticut to an office overlooking Times Square every day, it must be refreshing to be back here in the hills of Dudley, Massachusetts again. Is it all coming back to you, Neil? I can't believe the way this college has changed in the 42 years since I attended. It's just remarkable the way that this place looks right now. I'm totally impressed. We're glad to hear it. Um, so for as many years as, as I can recall, you've hosted groups of Nichols marketing students at Viacom in New York City to meet with you and your staff there. Uh, today you're here to speak, or you did speak to a marketing class so let me start off by asking you, what's kept you connected to Nichols for all of these years? I want to give back. Nichols College gave somebody who was, uh, let's just say, I was pretty crazy in, uh, in high school. I had, I had no trouble getting out of the first high school. They threw me out. <laughs> and I had a lot of trouble getting out of the second high school because uh, I... I never quite got that diploma, and the the way that I got here, I hope Dave French listens to this podcast, is I drove Dave up here. He met with uh, Coach Langevin and Dean Eaton, and uh, I was the one with the car. I drove him up. I waited for him. He walked out after meeting with them, and I went to start the car. Dave said, stop. I talked to them about you, and you should go in and have a conversation with them. So I spoke to Dean Eaton, and he said, Neil, I'm going to give you a chance. And they gave me a chance. I got a uh, credit for uh, English class and, uh, at home, and that transferred up to Nichols College, and I was allowed to attend uh, Nichols, and I am forever grateful for the opportunity that they gave me. Nothing, all that stuff that you just read about what I've done never would have happened if uh, Dean Eden hadn't uh, allowed me to attend. And what I really believe is that he saw something in me that I did not see in myself. I got here to Nichols, and uh, and in at some level, I I failed Dean Eaton because I didn't get good enough grades to play lacrosse my first year, and uh, 
then my next big push was to get get my grades up just so I could play lacrosse. I think you needed a 2-0 to get lacrosse. I just got my transcripts today, and I saw that I, uh, I exceeded that number. Uh, I got a 2.03. So it's all easy after that. <laughs> so, I, you know, honestly, I've... I've heard you mention Dave French, and, and I've, I've spoken to a lot of your classmates. I think I've m- heard more folklore stories about your time here at Nichols uh, than just about anybody else I can recall. In fact, you know, I'll be honest, the first time I met you at Viacom, I expected you to be 10 feet tall. Um, you know, your classmates told me you're the funniest, the toughest, the wildest students, student ever to walk through the halls here. So how does somebody with, with that type of a Bacchanalian reputation as a student go on to take on the responsibility of, of leading the sales division at, at one of the largest entertainment companies in the world? I don't know about any of all of that stuff, but okay. I, I was, yeah, that I'll admit to. But yeah, I was, I was pretty wild. The one thing that I did have is I have a good work ethic. And um, I was fortunate enough to, to get a job at NBC, and I I worked hard. And a lot of the things that I learned here on the lacrosse team and with friends that were athletes is being a part of a team, being a a good teammate. And that mindset followed me uh, in my career to almost everywhere that I went, as I said earlier today at the class, I've, I, I've never been in a meeting where I was the smartest person in the room. But something that I could do is get people to work together, to work to the benefit of all. And that's probably what, uh, what somebody else saw, and they would elevate me. I said to my boss one time when I got a promotion, I said, don't you know what the Peter Principle is, is where you're promoted to your level of incompetence? Mm-hmm. I was there like two jobs ago. And uh, they, they kept uh, giving me more responsibilities, and uh, I never felt worthy, but I never shied away from the hard work that it took to uh, do whatever it was that they had asked me to do. So, so what does an executive vice president of sales and marketing solutions at Viacom do on a day-to-day basis? What, uh, do you interact with a lot of uh, celebrities? Do you interact with a lot of clients? Um, it has to be a pretty exciting spot uh, just based on the few times I've been there. It's exciting and there are uh, spikes of interactions with famous people. And I have good stories and I have bad stories some people are uh, really just wonderful. Some celebrities, they're just wonderful, and other ones uh, are difficult, and they read their own uh, headlines. Um, day-to-day, and I'll get back to that, but day-to-day, uh, you're, you're running a sales team. There was a, a lot of stress. matter of fact, I've been retired now for a little over a year, um, if you had asked me whether I was, uh, had stress on my job, I probably would have said no. In hindsight, now that I don't have that anymore, 
I definitely had stress. I'm, I'm every day feeling a sense of freedom that I never had before. I live in Wilton, Connecticut. Uh, it took me about two hours and 15 or 20 minutes to get to my office each way, each day. So I don't know, uh, you know, my back and ass looks like a train seat at this point in my life. Uh, but I'm, I'm working that out. But so that was a high level of stress. What you do every day, I was responsible for generating billions of dollars uh, in uh, ad revenue. And I mean, I couldn't do that on my own. It's, it's the team. And clarity of message, getting everybody to work together, that kind of thing is what is the most important aspect of business. Uh, one of the things that, uh, and we'll move on to getting to meet famous people, because that was, that was really cool. I, I said to the class earlier today, please ask me what my biggest regret was. My biggest regret was when I was at ESPN, and I used to buy all the fights for ESPN, and I was in a room with uh, boxing promoter Bob Arum. And in that room was Joe Frazier, George Foreman, and Muhammad Ali, and me. And I never got a picture, and I never got—I <laughs> didn't get an autograph. I got nothing. That's an Instagram sin in today's generation. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. So that's, that's a huge regret. But one of the... Uh, one of the shows that the Spike Network, that's now called the Paramount Network, they used to have a show. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they've they don't do it anymore. It was called the Guys Choice Awards, and at that show in L.A., we honored the servicemen, and there were members from every different service group that is out there. And we would have hundreds and hundreds of them. Uh, and I would have access to uh, what is called the green room, where you know the stars hang out in the green room before they go on stage and after they go on stage. And I would go to out and just talk to any serviceman. And I would... So introduce myself, and I would ask them to take me to the commanding officer. And I would introduce myself to the commanding officer, and I would say to him that I wanted to bring him backstage to uh, meet uh, any of the stars who might be there. It's catch as catch can, because you don't know when which stars are going to be backstage. But uh, I would also say, I'd like you to bring four or five of your men and you know the ones that you feel are most deserving, especially so somebody's just back from Afghanistan or Iraq, and we'd we'd bring them in there. And I can remember one one time uh, Mark Wahlberg was there. He's talking to Ava Mendez, and I bring these. Uh, uh, they were Marines, and I brought them in to introduce them. And Mark Wahlberg was unbelievable. Oh yeah, I've heard he's quite a quite a networker. Yeah, yeah, and he he was so uh, thankful and kind to to these Marines, 
And he said, you want me to go out and talk to all your men? And they said, oh, yeah, I would love that. And uh, so he started walking away, and Eva Mendez says, oh, hey, I want to go too. So they both went out there, and, and they uh, had pictures taken, and all these Marines were just, they were wild, excited. So, so, so leadership, you had mentioned, isn't an easy thing. And I imagine nor is remaining on top in a volatile in, industry like the entertainment field. So um, especially the sales industry, which is, I guess, pretty famous for, for you know, its alpha personalities. How did you manage to retire peacefully after 30 plus years kind of working at the top in such a rough, rough and tumble game? It's about perspective. Keeping your perspective. Uh, I had a mentor who gave me the greatest gift that you could get, and it's the gift of perspective in business. And, you know, they years ago, uh, I think it was IBM, they used to have, they used to speak of work life balance. And nowadays, uh, with technology the way it is, they speak of work-life integration. It's a little bit hard to integrate your work life when you, you, know, you live so far away from the office and salespeople are bullshit artists and you really need to look them in the eye and ask the tough questions. So I... Uh, I worked uh, for 42 years, 32 of them, I was at some version of Viacom. I, was, uh, I started out at uh, Group W, Sports Marketing, that's Westinghouse. Westinghouse bought CBS and became CBS, and then Viacom bought CBS. Uh, by the time I, I left, there were only three people that were at, uh, at the company for that amount of time. I was one of those, those three. The way I made it through that gauntlet, I think, is uh, there's some factors of, of luck in there, but uh, the, and the initial aspect was uh, at Group W Sports, we represented regional sports networks and professional teams around the country. That business was purchased by Fox. It's called Fox Sports One now. And the, wherever you live, there's going to be a, a regional sports network in that area. Westinghouse was a pretty big company, so they migrated the most of the people from Group W Sports over to sell TNN, the Nashville Network, and CMT, Country Music Television. And when uh, Viacom bought CBS, uh, there was not a lot of goodwill for the people that, that sold CMT and, and TV Land, you know, it wasn't MTV and VH1 and Comedy Central. And I think there was a level of, uh, you know, you are what you sell and CMT is 
country music is crap. Uh, but I was the only one, <laughs> me and, and that group, that team was the only one who knew about that crap. Mm. And they didn't know about it, and they didn't want to know about it. So I think that helped buoy me for a while. And until I could prove myself, there were many people. The uh, first meeting I went to, I think it was 800 people were let go. And on an ongoing basis, there was roughly 2,000 people. And for the longest time, there was only about 20 of us left in a about a four four year five year period. They just kept getting rid of the CBS people uh, because of duplication and consolidation, duplication of effort and consolidation of of jobs, and that kind of stuff. And it, it has continued to uh, to this day. You can see the way Viacom is is consolidating, and they're getting ready to merge with back with CBS. I think that's pretty interesting. Hmm. No, no, you know, you spoke to a class today and uh, I'm sure over your 30 plus year career managing employees, you've seen a lot of differences in, in young employees. And 42. I, 42. <laughs> you said 32 for something 32 else. 32 at? At Viacom. Okay, so 42 years managing employees. Today you spoke to a class of marketing students. For those who weren't in that class today, there were 30 students in there, but for every you know, nickel student who's listening that, that weren't, weren't in that class, what advice would you give to current college students or recent graduates who are trying to make their bones into business about becoming a successful business person and advancing throughout their careers? Okay, that's pretty easy. That The presentation that I gave today was one that I had given the the uh, starting sales force, starting level sales force at Viacom, and they told me to uh, speak about uh, developing someone's personal brand. And I think that's uh, got a layer of bullshit in it that uh, is uh, makes it ridiculous to me anyway. I think that you bring two things to your desk your relationships, and your reputation. That will define anyone's brand. Here's who I am. This is what I stand for. Uh, we also talked today about intent. And I've been in enough meetings where uh, you hear someone talk, and it's obvious that they are trying to show everybody in the meeting that they're smart. And they got this locked, and they are most knowledgeable. That is not pure intent, and it is seen as such. You can have another person who is using almost the exact same words. And what they are trying to do is impart important, useful information to the team. They have pure intent, and that is never misinterpreted either. So if you are in a workforce, you get a high level of willingness to do whatever it takes. You need to be uh, a part of the team where you want to elevate others on the team. And you will elevate along with them. I have seen cases where people wanted to move up at the expense of others. 
I have seen people uh, get their foot on the pedal and they just go up the ladder, up the ladder, and they go, they don't know when to take the foot off the gas because they've made it and they keep going and they go right over the top of the ladder and boom, they fall. I've seen it. I've seen mean people in the business world that uh, you just don't know how. They're usually really, really smart. Uh, you don't know how they've gotten to the level that they have gotten to. But they've, they, you know, they're there. But no one wants to work with them. No one enjoys the day, the work day, along with them. And every single one of them, they... They are not long-term. That's not a long-term strategy. We, we, you mentioned something interesting that stuck with me during lunch. And, and uh, we had lunch with Coach Gobeal, who was the, the lacrosse coach here. And, you know, Coach mentioned that wins and losses 30 years from now, his team, that'll kind of fall away. And, and what will be kind of left is remembering that team chemistry, that team atmosphere. And then you had mentioned also it's sort of the same way in business. So you don't remember the, you know, hitting the quarterly numbers or that sort of thing, but you do remember the team that you were working on, exactly. that environment. Exactly what I, I would tell everybody in the meeting, you know, in a, in a, a big group, you know, it could be 50 or 100 people. And, uh, you know, we are together. And at the end of the day, no matter how many years that is from now, you're not going to remember the work that you were doing. But you're going to remember the people that you worked with. Be memorable in a good way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. I've seen people not, they're memorable in not such a good way. I have uh, stories of, of people that, uh, here, I'll give you one right now just because. <laughs> the guy's name is Tom. And uh, this was during the transition when Viacom bought CBS. And Tom was a miserable son of a bitch. And uh, here's a perfect example. I mean, they were throwing people out windows every day. They'd already gotten rid of about 1,200 people. I was a CBSers. And, uh, and I had to go to Russia to adopt my daughter. And I was supposed to be in Russia for a month. And... Tom told me that, uh, that if I wasn't back from Russia in two weeks, I was coming back to no job. Wow. And I'm like, they're not going to get me. There's no way I am going to let them get me. So I left my wife and my new daughter in Russia, and I came back in two weeks. And that wasn't good enough for this guy. And he told me that he, I was a vice president at the time, and he told me that he wanted me to go to HR and take a package to be gone. They were trying to get rid of CBS people. Or he wanted to demote me to salesperson. He told me October 3rd at 3 o'clock, I want your answer. I was like, oh, God, what am I, gonna do? I didn't want to answer that. I wanted it all just to go away. And uh, I had a whole bunch of clients. I went to Smith and Walensky's that day. And uh, I left at 2.30. They were all singing show tunes, standing on chairs. They were having a blast. And I went back to my office. 
and I was sitting at my desk, steeling myself for this three o'clock meeting with Tom. And a friend of mine stuck his head in and he said, uh, well, I guess you're happy. I said, what? He said, they fired Tom at lunch today. <laughs> so you, they do get it. Yes. And that time they did get it when I wanted them to get it. So, so as you know, I've, I've met with a lot of your classmates from the 70s. Um, a, a lot of They're them, old now. Well, yeah, yeah old relative to you're only as old as you feel. But um, a, a lot of them are at the stage where they mentioned they too are kind of thinking of retiring. Um, you know, the, the, the word on the street is, I've heard this from a lot of the employees that we met at Viacom uh, over the years, is that your Red Bull consumption was pretty legendary while you were there. So... How does a quote-unquote sales beast who travels through the country, attends award events uh, like the CMT and MTV Music Awards, rips through caffeinated beverages, how, how does that Neil Holt handle the slowdown of retirement now? Red Bull was my cocktail. I stopped drinking 20 years ago. And uh, so I would have my, uh, you know, my, my drink would be a Red Bull. You need a little energy boost. Uh, one of the things that I I never got in too deep into the I don't know I'll just call it the the Hollywood scene the way I would do it is uh, if say MTV had a show on Saturday they uh, I would I would get it on, on an airplane at uh, seven or six a.m. at JFK I would fly out. You land at about 11 o'clock. I would have lunch with clients. There would be a pre-party before the event. The event would start at, say, 5 o'clock if it was live. Uh, go to the event. The event would be over two hours later, or two and a half hours later. Uh, then there would be a post-party with all the clients, and I would uh, be there to entertain and enjoy their company. I would then go directly to the airport and I would fly on the red eye home. So I'd be with my family Sunday morning. Wow. Yeah, I did that a lot because I, you know, I, I wanted to be with my family and uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't necessarily want to sit there out there. You know, I got to spend time with clients and sometimes it's good to leave. Right. How, how after doing that for so long do you transition to retirement? How do you say? I, I mean, are you are you are you pulling your hair out, or uh, you know, what are you up to these days? Oh, I've never been uh, happier than than I am now. I mean, you, you can't work forever, and there there were times in, in meetings where I'm looking at these young kids. They're smart as anything and uh, you know technology has has taken hold to levels that uh, you know frankly I, I don't comprehend all of it but uh, I didn't enjoy all of the uh, what some would call perks I didn't enjoy them anymore I didn't want to do it I mean I left at a time when I was ready to leave I can remember when I left Nichols, I looked at something and it said, uh, 
your retirement date is 2017. And I'm like, that's a freaking thousand years from now. I never gave it a second thought. And like a snap of the fingers, all of a sudden it's 2018. And I, it was time for me to retire and, uh, you know, spend time with my family you know, all the time with my family. My wife is putting up with me. And uh, I have a sense of freedom that I never, I never felt before. Go, going back to that level of stress, in, when I first retired, uh, I had sort of my old mindset, which, oh, I've got to get this done, whether it's cutting my lawn or painting the house or whatever it is. By the way, every time I paint, I think of Dave French. We used to paint together. Yeah. Hey, Dave. And uh, now I have a job. I can do the job or not do the job, and I don't have to rush off. I don't have just weekends to do it. And even now, I'm like, wow, I don't have to be anywhere. I don't have to worry about uh, projections. I don't have to uh, be proactive with regard to any aspect of anything other than uh, you know, things that I want to do. Oh, well, you know, okay, if I want to go to Florida, I got to make an airplane reservation. Oh, I can make that on any day, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And I can go down there. And uh, so I got a place in Vermont that I go, and, uh, and I love it, and I'm pretty handy, so I do a lot of the, the work myself. And that is fulfilling because I can tell you that uh, when I say finish painting my house, the house is finished. It looks nice. The job is done. I never once had that in my business career where the job was completely and totally done, you know, clap your hands and move on. Mm. It was cyclical. Everything that I did, I had to do it again the next year. The exact same thing, raising funds for the next fiscal. You know, after a while, you don't want to do that shit anymore. It's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking the same thing this weekend. Um, when I first bought my house, I remember the yard work and the raking the leaves and everything. That was the worst thing. It was the pits. I didn't. I hated it. But now, I actually enjoy it. This weekend, I, I cleaned up the yard for the spring and I looked at it. Everything was done. It was clean. It was beautiful. And like you said, it was done, you know, that's, <laughs> right. the, that's the fun part. Um, so finally, I just want to get into, you know, you had mentioned to me on the phone that you're very involved in, in helping raise awareness of the, the current opioid crisis uh, here, which is a huge problem in this country right now. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, your work there for those folks who are unaware of the issue? Sure, sure. I I. I would hope that no one is unaware of the opiate crisis. This past year, 76,000 people died of a drug overdose. That's more than gun violence and car accidents combined. You don't hear about it. Uh, That's due to the shame and stigma associated with addiction. One of the last things that I did, and this may be the only thing that I have a regret about 
as far as retiring. One of the, uh, the last things that I did at Viacom, uh, I could say, uh, I'll say this, that uh, my family has been personally touched by addiction. And there is an initiative at VH1, and it's called Save the Music. And I went in and got all the guys that I know. They're my, they're my buddies. All the EVPs got them together and I sat around the table. And I said, uh, you know, VH1 has this initiative, Save the Music. And it's valid. It's important. We give musical instruments to high schools around the country. But at the same time that VH1 is saving the music, our target viewer for the majority of our networks is dying of a drug overdose one every five or six minutes in this country, and we're not doing anything about it. So we put together a uh, everybody. There was no budget for it or anything, and everybody squirreled away a little bit mo of money. It was amazing how many people that were in that room had been personally touched in some way by addiction and... Uh, so we put together a show. Paramount gave us their studio in L.A. and put this show together. We got as many stars as we possibly could. And we uh, put together with Dr. Drew. He was the doctor on it. And it was kind of a, uh, a panel-type show. Not too exhilarating, but uh, we did four separate panels speaking to... Uh, famous people that had a substance misuse issue and uh, it aired at eight o'clock on every one of the I think it was on 13 Viacom networks at eight o'clock on a Friday night and there was a, a website and they did all kinds of uh, research uh, uh, groups getting addicts to come in there and, and and you know if you are going to talk to that number of people, millions of people, you better be saying the right thing, right? So uh, I know we made a difference, and you know now I've I've gone from there. But I was asked to be on the board of it's called CMC Foundation for Change. Uh, CMC is the Center for Motivation and Change, and they've got this foundation. And what they do, it's, uh, I guess the best way to say it is it, it's parent training for parents who have uh, children that are experiencing addiction issues. There's a different way, uh, an invitation to change. You know, when you have a loved one, doesn't have to be your child, a loved one who has an addiction issue, you know, they're sick, but the whole family gets sick along with them. And uh, we are putting parent training sessions, loved one training sessions together. There's going to be one in, uh, in Greenwich on May 4th at 8.30 in the morning. They're uh, four and a half hours. And it teaches a loved one how to interact in a positive way uh, with 
somebody who has an addiction problem because really all you want to do is you know punch them in the head and tell them to cut it out mm-hmm. but you know if you if you think about it say there's two boys in a town and one has cancer they're going to raise money at the high school football game for them mm-hmm. the young boy who's got a opiate addiction is going to be shunned it's a moral failure and uh they ain't going to be raising any ain't passing a hat to raise any money for that kid because they look at him like he's a loser he's just sick he's not a bad kid he's a sick kid who needs to get better and there there are ways better ways to interact with your child there's a lot of ways to get sober and there's a lot of fear uh there's a lot of misinformation uh and there are a lot of ways to get better and they all work if the person with an addiction problem wants to get better so it really starts with helping that person want to get better and so that's really what i'm spending my time doing that and trying to give back to uh you know like the students here i want to give back somebody gave me a break somebody uh took me under their wing and showed me the the right perspective to have in the business world and if i can do that i'll keep coming back here to talk to your students uh, at any time we sure appreciate it i sat in on the class i actually thought that i would have to leave uh to go answer some emails and after hearing you speak for 20 minutes there was no way i was getting out of that door and i know that the students felt the same way because um anybody who's who's who sat in on a class and there's five minutes left you can just see see their eyes looking at the smartphones or or one foot towards the door absolutely that didn't happen in fact we we, I have to apologize to whatever professor was coming in afterwards because we actually went about five minutes late. The students didn't want to leave either. Um, Neil, thank you very much for, for being here today and being a guest on this, this fourth podcast now. Oh, yeah, I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> and, uh, and thank you for listening. Um, before Neil retired at Viacom, I should just tell the story that that he went out of his way to network a, a Nichols student who was graduating. She was a marketing major uh, at Viacom. Uh, Neil helped the student arrange interviews with three different departments at Viacom and spent way more than just a few hours speaking to her while she was there and giving her advice. I'm happy to say that our student Hebron accepted the position she was offered at Viacom, uh, described it as the opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm also pleased to announce that she's continued Neil's tradition at Viacom this year in the fall, hosting 20 marketing students to meet with her and her teammates in the offices of Nickelodeon. I think this is a perfect story to close today's podcast episode. Bison helping bison is a very important concept in the success of Nichols College and our alumni's willingness to send the elevator back down by hiring and mentoring Nichols students and interns is one of the key components of securing Nichols' reputation and rankings as high as they are. 
So I thank Neil for being here today and thank you for listening. Until the next time. The herd taking the court, we going for a win, we going for it all, we'll do it till we fall, so throw it up, kick it off, we was born ready to fall.